Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and today we will spend our last day studying Article 8 of the Apostles' Creed, I Believe in the Holy Ghost. And so let us pick up our text where we left off at page 92 under the subtitle, The Lord. Uh, the Holy Ghost is called the Lord. And so the Catechism continues, By confessing the Holy Ghost, to be Lord. They declare how far he excels the angels, who are the noblest spirits created by God. For they are all, says the apostle, ministering spirits, sent to minister for them who shall receive the inheritance of salvation. And then the life giver. They also designate the Holy Ghost the giver of life, because the soul lives more by its union with God than the body is nourished and sustained by its union with the soul. Since then, the sacred scriptures ascribe to the Holy Ghost this union of the soul with God. It is clear that he is most rightly called the giver of life. And then the words, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son. With regard to the words immediately succeeding, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, the faithful are to be taught that the Holy Ghost proceeds by an eternal procession from the Father and the Son, as from one principle. This truth is proposed for our belief by the creed of the Church, from which no Christian may depart, and is confirmed by the authority of the sacred scriptures and of councils. Christ the Lord, speaking of the Holy Ghost, says, He shall glorify me because he shall receive of mine. We also find that the Holy Ghost is sometimes called in Scripture the Spirit of Christ, sometimes the Spirit of the Father, that he is one time said to be sent by the Father, another time by the Son, all of which clearly signifies that he proceeds alike from the Father and the Son. He, says St. Paul, who has not the Spirit of Christ, belongs not to him. In his epistle to the Galatians, he also calls the Holy Ghost the Spirit of Christ. God hath sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, he is called the Spirit of the Father. It is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father that speaketh in you. Our Lord said at his Last Supper, When the Paraclete cometh, whom I will send you, the Spirit of truth who proceedeth from the Father, he shall give testimony of me. On another occasion, that the Holy Ghost will be sent by the Father, he declares in these words, Whom the Father will send in my name. Understanding these words to denote the procession of the Holy Ghost, we come to the inevitable conclusion that he proceeds from both Father and Son. The above are the truths that should be taught with regard to the person of the Holy Ghost. And then the Catechism continues, certain divine works are appropriated to the Holy Ghost. It is also the duty of the pastor to teach that there are certain admirable effects, certain excellent gifts of the Holy Ghost, 
which are said to originate and emanate from him as from a perennial fountain of goodness. Although the intrinsic works of the Most Holy Trinity are common to the three persons, yet many of them are attributed specially to the Holy Ghost to signify that they arise from the boundless charity of God towards us. For as the Holy Ghost proceeds from the divine will, inflamed as it were, with love, we can perceive that these effects which are referred particularly to the Holy Ghost are the result of God's supreme love for us. Hence it is that the Holy Ghost is called a gift. For by the word gift we understand that which is kindly and gratuitously bestowed without expectation of any return. Whatever gifts and graces therefore have been conferred on us by God, and what have we, says the Apostle, that we have not received from God? We should piously and gratefully acknowledge as bestowed by the grace and gift of the Holy Ghost. The creation, government, life. <clears throat> These gifts of the Holy Ghost are numerous, not to mention the creation of the world, the propagation and government of all created beings, discussed in the first article. We have just shown that the giving of life is particularly attributed to the Holy Ghost, and this is further confirmed by the testimony of Ezekiel. I will give you spirit, and you shall live. That's Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 6. The seven gifts. The prophet Isaiah, however, enumerates the chief effects which are most properly ascribed to the Holy Ghost, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and fortitude, the spirit of knowledge and piety, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. These effects are called the gifts of the Holy Ghost, and sometimes they are even called the Holy Ghost. Wisely, therefore, does St. Augustine admonish us whenever we meet the word Holy Ghost in Scripture to distinguish whether it means the third person of the Trinity or his gifts and operations. The two are as far apart as the Creator is from the creature. The diligence of the pastor in expounding these truths should be the greater since it is from these gifts of the Holy Ghost that we derive rules of Christian life and are enabled to know if the Holy Ghost dwells within us. And finally, the Catechism concludes, justifying grace. But the grace of justification which signs us with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the pledge of our inheritance, transcends all his other most ample gifts. It unites us to God in the closest bonds of love, lights up within us the sacred flame of piety, forms us to newness of life, renders us partakers of the divine nature, and enables us to be called and really to be the sons of God. And thus concludes the um, Catechism of the Council of Trent's treatment on the Article 8, I believe in the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> uh, there are so many articles about the Holy Ghost in the Summa that uh, we thought we would just touch on one today. This is question 36, um, Article 1, whether love is the proper name of the Holy Ghost. And so let's just take a quick look at uh, what St. Thomas says about this um, First, he, uh, well, he responds in, his, uh, in this question one, 
I answer that the name love in God can be taken essentially and personally. If taken personally, it is the proper name of the Holy Ghost, as word is the proper name of the Son. To see this, we must know that since, as shown above, there are two processions in God, one by way of the intellect, which is the procession of the word, and another by way of the will, which is the procession of love. For as much as the former is the more known to us, we have been able to apply more suitable names to express our various considerations as regards that procession, but not as regards the procession of the will. Hence, we are obliged to employ circumlocution as regards the person who proceeds and the relations following from this procession, which are called procession and spiration, as stated above. And yet, express the origin rather than the relation in the strict sense of the term. Nevertheless, we must consider them in respect of each procession simply, for as when a thing is understood by anyone, there results in the one who understands, a conception we call word. So when anyone loves an object, a certain impression results, so to speak, of the thing loved in the affection of the lover, as also the thing understood is in the one who understands. So that when anyone understands and loves himself, he is in himself, not only by real identity, but also by the object understood, also as the object understood is in the one who understands, and the thing loved is in the lover. As regards the intellect, however, words have been found to describe the mutual relation of the one who understands to the object understood, as appears in the word to understand, and others and other words are used to express the procession of the intellectual conception, namely to speak and word. Hence in God, to understand is applied only to the essence, because it does not import relation to the word that proceeds, whereas word is said personally because it signifies what proceeds, and the term to speak is a notional term as importing the relation of the principle of the word to the word himself. On the other hand, on the part of the will, with the exception of the words delection and love, which express the relation of the lover to the object loved, there are no other terms in use which express the relation of the impression or affection of the object loved, produced in the lover by the fact that he loves to the principle of that impression or vice versa, and therefore, on account of the poverty of our vocabulary, we express these relations by the words love and delection, just as if we were to call the word intelligence conceived or wisdom begotten. And there St. Thomas just explains to us that, interestingly, the operation of our knowing, when we know something, it's much clearer to us how the thing known is in our minds the what is known is in the knower and we have words like conception and word to express that but uh, to explain how the thing loved is in the lover um, saint thomas is explaining that our words begin to fail we have there's a sort of a poverty of expression to explain 
um, to, to signify this with words. Anyway, St. Thomas continues, It follows that, so far as love means only the relation of the lover to the object loved, love and to love are said of the essence as understanding and to understand. But on the other hand, so far as these words are used to express the relation to its principle of what proceeds by way of love and vice versa, so that by love is, understa is understood the love proceeding, and by to love is understood the spiration of the love proceeding. In that sense, love is the name of the person, and to love is a notional term, so to speak, and to beget. So, there we have it. That's, that's the first article in question 37, um, whether love is the proper name of the Holy Ghost. And uh, St. Thomas says, uh, he says yes and no to that. Um, um, he concludes by saying that um, the, if we take the word personally, then yes, it is the proper name. Um, and uh, so this is, this is, unfortunately, this is the end of our discussion of the Holy Ghost. I, I wish we could read so many more of these uh, wonderful articles. And uh, in particular, the Catechism talks about this um, incredible notion that the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Father and from the Son as from one principle. Um, this, of course, was a matter of great dispute in our Catholic history. And um, certain uh, version in the uh, creed that the um, uh, Byzantine Church um, uh, says the Byzantine Catholic Church, um, we notice that they, they don't say in their creed who proceeds from the Father and the Son, not as if um, to exclude that, but simply that that's just not expressed in that creed. Whereas in our Nicene Creed, we say he proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so this gives rise to the idea that um, the whereas the Son proceeds from the Father, and therefore, we talk about filiation and paternity. Um, so the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Father and the Son, and we call this we call this common procession. And then we we name the Holy Ghost by spiration. He is spirated. Um, but the notion that we the um, uh, we speak of the phrase common procession. Um, because the Holy Ghost proceeds both from the Father and the Son. Um, and so, therefore, uh, I, think we're, I think we're finished for the day. We will uh, continue with Article 9 in this Catechism of the Council of Trent, uh, talking about um, the Holy Catholic Church. Article 9 is, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Thank you very much for joining me in this episode of Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.